Hi everyone, it's Hermes here with this week's message, The Beauty of Becoming. Let us invite God's presence as we pray the collect for proper time. O Lord, mercifully receive the prayers of your people who call upon you, and grant that they may know and understand what things they ought to do, and also may have grace and power faithfully to accomplish them. Through Jesus Christ, O Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. This week's message focuses on the Gospel for Proper 10, Year A, Matthew 13, 1-9, and 18-23. This Gospel passage is well known to most. In this passage, Jesus relates the parable of the sower, and later explains it to his disciples. The parable is that of the sower casting seeds. Some seeds fell on the path and were quickly eaten up by the birds. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where the soil was thin. As plants sprang from these seeds, they were quickly scorched by the day's heat. As on the shallow soil of the rocky ground, they could not take proper root. Yet a third set of seeds fell next to thorns. As the seeds grew, so too did the thorns which choked the seeds. The seeds eventually died. Finally, the fourth set fell on good soil. The seeds took root. The plants grew, thrived, and bore much fruit. When Seeking to understand the need for Jesus to speak to the people in parables, the disciples inquired of him. He explained, The seed that fell along the path was comparable to those who heard the word of God but did not understand it. In the case of these, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. Matthew 13, 19 The seeds that fell on the rocky ground he compared to those who received the word of God with joy, but because of their shallow foundation, were quickly driven away when they experienced troubles and persecution. These found no consolation in the word of God to pull them through their troubles. These gave up in the midst of their troubles. The third set of seeds, Jesus compared to those who heard the word but turned away, choosing rather to focus on the cares of the world or who were lured away by wealth, think care of Judas Iscariot. The final set, Jesus explained, were those who heard the word and understood it, in whom the word was deeply rooted and who could go out and bear much fruit. I'm sure in your own experience, you've encountered persons who fell into each of these categories. The second and third categories might be a little hard to separate. It's easy to wonder what really is the difference between those who flee when persecution arises and those who are easily distracted by the concerns of the world and the lure of wealth. If I were to interpret I suppose I would say the ones who are the rocky ground are those who don't tolerate the testing that choosing to follow Christ attracts. These are likely to be the ones overcome by doubt, fear, anger, and disappointment in the face of the trials that a life in Christ brings us. Note, I say, those who are overcome by doubt, fear, anger, and disappointment. 
because it is natural for us to react this way as we encounter difficulties along the way. However, if the Word of God is deeply rooted in our hearts and we are convinced of the goodness of God, we allow the Word to comfort us and draw us out of these states. And as the Word draws us out, we give thanks for God's goodness. And then we see God's goodness taking shape in our lives. Returning to the distinction between the rocky ground and the thorny ground, I would say that the third set are those who can't separate themselves from the things of the world. They choose to preoccupy themselves with the chores, the busyness, the wealth, and comforts of the world, and neglect their obligation to God. These are the ones who don't recognize how much separation from the world demands of us. But our purpose in receiving the Word of God isn't to determine how it applies to others, no. Our purpose in receiving the Word of God is to determine how the Word applies to us, individually, and in our faith communities. My question then is, then is this, where are we, individually and collectively, as church, in our parishes, in our congregations, in our parish ministry groups. Let us reflect for a moment, asking God to reveal to us where we are versus where God needs us to be. Next, let us ask God to transform us into who we need to be. On that note, I disclose my naivety Prior to this message, I had never given much thought to whether these four categories could apply to one person. Perhaps it's the wording, perhaps it's my ignorance. I always assumed they were four discrete categories relating to different people. Never did I stop to think that these four categories could refer to one person on a journey of becoming, becoming who he or she was intended to be for God's honor and glory. As I reflect on myself, I see how I have fallen to each of these categories. There was a time when I heard the word of God. That is, I literally heard the word of God. There was no internalizing, no reading, marking, learning, or inwardly digesting the word. The word went in one ear and came out the next. I might have heard the word at church or in passing, perhaps a program on TV or radio, but not for a moment did I stop to reflect on the meaning of the word and its implications for me. I suppose you could say it wasn't even a matter of not understanding. It was a case of such ignorance that I didn't appreciate that the word was supposed to provoke a change in me. Thankfully, and by the grace of God, I didn't remain there. I grew a bit. I grew to the stage where I would hear the word, receive it with joy. But it wouldn't take much for the frustrations of life to anger me, to provoke impatience, frustration, bitterness, suspicion, and even among and envy among other emotions and reactions. Who knows, perhaps it was the wind of the persons and places that I might have been exposed to for the good and the bad that blew me from the path to the rocky ground. 
annoyed at the frustrations of the world and the difficulty in being a dedicated follower of Christ. I eventually found myself among the thorns where the lure of wealth snagged me. Beloveds, let me pause here to point out that the second and third groups are closely linked, and in our journey in Christ, we might find ourselves swinging like a pendulum between the two. And if we do not continue to seek God, we might very easily revert to the position of the path with the seed being quickly eaten up by the birds. Dear ones, if we are not careful, and if we happen to land in the space of wealth or a well-to-do life, we just might fool ourselves into believing that we have it all, the job, the marriage, the family, the house, financial and societal status, you name it. In fact, let me add here, I was in such a place. I was filled with pride and arrogance, probably still do have some of it, and thought I had it all. I smugly thought I was accomplished. Well, you know what they say about pride and the fall, right? I thank God that in his love for me, in his love for us, he is not satisfied to leave us in the path, on the rocky ground, or among the thorns. And if we who have been washed in the cleansing waters of baptism and strengthened through the laying on of hands at our confirmation, have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, then as Paul affirms in today's epistle, Romans 8, 11, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to our mortal bodies, also through the Spirit that dwells in us. Romans 8, 11. The effect of this is that the Father will continue to plow the soil of our hearts so that his word may be embedded in fertile soil where it will take proper root so that, as said in John 15, 16, we will go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Dear ones, it is the will of the Father that we will all bear abundant and lasting fruit. He has chosen us. We are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand as written in Psalm 95.7. If this were not true, then what we profess at baptism would also be untrue. That is, that in baptism we are united with Christ, adopted as God's children, made members of Christ's body, and inheritors of the kingdom of God. Now, if we believe the faith that we profess at baptism to be true, then we know that we have been chosen. God, therefore, is always calling us to a deeper relationship with him, where his word will take good root and transform us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And by the power of that transformation, we will be equipped to go out to work among God's people and to bear abundant fruit. Acceptance of this is critical to our victory as church and as individuals. Here's why. The family of believers will always include those who fall into each of the four categories of terrain on which the word of God falls. 
Each of us in our journey in Christ will repeatedly find ourselves at one stage or another. Note well, this is not a matter of a destination. It's a journey. What do I mean by that? I mean that while we might be fertile soil today, at a future stage, we might be the rocky terrain or or terrain overridden with thorns. Why? Simple. As we grow in Christ, God must increase our faith. That increase exposes us to deeper and more intense degrees of testing, more complex testing. In these heightened stages of testing, we are vulnerable to being strangled by the thorns or overwhelmed by the trials that populate the life in Christ. Beloveds, even the most faith-filled of us experience winters and wildernesses in faith where all that we see is empty, barren, arid, and unproductive. But it is especially in those spaces that God continues to plow away at the soil of our heart. Think here of the experience of Job, who continued in faith with some moments of weakness, but continued in faith and was ultimately rewarded by God for his patience and his faithfulness. Now, if we accept that in our faith, communities, and even as individuals, this rolling between categories is normal, as Christians, we who are called to love God and love our neighbors, our response should be to pray for the faithful, our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as ourselves. It means praying diligently and faithfully for our church leaders, for they are under a particular attack by the enemy, being the ones who are especially charged with leading the flock. It means praying for our partners in ministry. It also means being patient with others as they navigate the terrains, and being patient with ourselves as God works on the soil, the condition of our hearts. It means never losing hope, for no amount of testing, of soil condition, or personal flow is greater than the will of God to refine us and to change our hearts, converting them from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. And even if your brother or sister in Christ doesn't pray that God will change his or her heart, believe you me, your prayers for them have the power to do that. Remember the assurances were given in Holy Scripture. James 5.15, the prayer of faith saves. Matthew 17.20, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Matthew 7.11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Luke 18.27 What is impossible for mortals is possible for God. And these are just a few. Challenge yourself to find others. If we continue in prayer for ourselves 
and for our brothers and sisters in Christ, we will witness the transformation, the becoming, and we will certainly delight in the beauty of their and all becoming. Dear ones, if we continue diligently and faithfully in prayer, open our hearts to the work of God and submit ourselves dutifully to the work of the sower on our hearts. I assure you, we will all hear the words we long to hear at the end of our journey, words as recorded in Matthew 25, 23. Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Beloveds, as I close, I encourage you, as in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-17, to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And most of all, to do that while enjoying the beauty of becoming that fertile soil as God shapes you into who you were meant to be, the you that's fit for purpose. Dear ones, until next time, I pray you the love of the Father, the peace of the Son, and the joy of the Spirit. Amen. <music>